Give it to God. I call this sermon right here and right now. It's very assertive. Right here and right now. Somebody say right here and right now. Can I tell you what inspired this sermon? I was listening to a Hillsong song. How do you guys say it? I was listening to a Hillsong? Or do you say I was listening to a Hillsong song? <laughs> However you guys figured that out. I don't know. I was listening to a Hillsong song. And there's a point in the song that says, while I'm waiting, I'm not waiting. That part crushes me. Why? Why does that part crush me? Because if you understand the Bible, you understand that Jesus is coming back for his church. Jesus is coming back for his bride. Come on, he's coming back for me and you. Somebody, Anybody ready for that? God's coming back for me. That's my ultimate hope, that this world is only temporary. That even if I die, when Jesus returns, I will raise from the grave, I will raise from the ground, and I will meet him in the air, and we will go into eternity together. That's the great hope we believe in. Come on, somebody. And this song says, while I'm waiting, I'm not waiting. Why does that wreck me? Because I've experienced so many Christians that are just waiting for God to come back and forgot that God actually left us with a mission, that God actually left us with a purpose, that God actually left us to do something, and it's possible to love God and to not do anything. And growing up, I've seen a lot of churches that are just waiting. For God to come back. I mean, let's have church 10 hours just in case God can come back while we have the service. That would be amazing. See how long services can go so we could just expand the time of rapture. You know what I'm saying? It's rapture weekend. We're going to be in church all weekend just in case. I've talked to leaders who are, like, waiting, right? Like, yeah, man, I'm going to get plugged in, but, you know, God can come any minute. You know what I'm saying? I would study the Bible, but, you know, God can come any minute. I don't know. I look at that job, right? But we all, but God, hey, no one knows the day. No one knows the hour. No, you're complacent. Don't, don't, while I'm waiting, I'm not waiting. That wrecks me. It wrecks me because I've seen leaders. I've seen churches. I've seen entire movements that have operated under the theology of just simply waiting. But before Jesus left, he said, I'm going to give you what's called the Great Commission. Go into all the world and create and multiply disciples. Build the kingdom. Start small groups on Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights and Thursday nights, whatever. Start small groups. And man, and, and do life together. That's what God wants for us. That, that's what God, that, that's kind of like God's intention. But, but isn't it funny that sometimes we kind of lean back into that, I'm just going to wait. I know that's not new birth, right? But I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait till, till next year to get involved. I'm just going to wait till, 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 till next week to buy a Bible. I'm going to wait till my next paycheck to start tithing. I'm going to wait for my next season to be different. I'm going to wait for another month to actually start reading the Bible. I'm going to wait, wait, wait. Listen, the, the, the God we serve isn't about over there and later on. He's the God of right here and right now. Where you're at. In your walk, God wants to meet you, and he wants to flip your life around. God wants to meet you where you're at and change the direction you're walking in. God wants to walk up to you, hug you. That's the grace you feel when you first, remember when you first experienced God? It's like all this grace and love leads you to tears. Oh, my God. He hugs you. He says, I love you. But we got somewhere to go. We got people to reach. I'm trying to do something in you right here, right now. Not when you're over there then, but right here, right now. I got to wait till this many days in church to start serving. Who told you that? Got to get baptized 10 times before I can actually tell someone that I want to get involved. That's, you're, you're building these religious hoops that you're throwing over. You're jumping through. And we love to do that. Our natural inclination is to create steps to get holy. And Jesus crushes us every time. He says, listen, you're trying to take steps to get holy. That's eliminating every step you take to be holy. You deny the steps I took to get down to you. Every step you build up to get to me, you are eliminating and you're not recognizing the ladder I climbed to get to you. You can't work your way to heaven. 
I came to you right there, right where you're at in your sinful nature, I still died for you. When you turned your back on me, I still loved you. When you, when you were going to do that sin, listen, God knows all things. He knew you were going to sin that day and then the day after that and then the day after that. And he knew you were going to lie about it and then be in this, this tunnel of lies. And the worst moment of your life, God knew it was going to happen. And you know what? He still sent his son to die for you. Can I tell you, people have walked into churches, and people who walk into church don't all make it to heaven. Some walk away and never come back. But Jesus still died for those people. Those are still his children. Those are still his sons and daughters. So guess what? We need to get to a place where we say, listen, while I'm waiting, I'm not waiting. While we're waiting on God, we're not waiting on God. We're moving. We're active. We're seeing a revival. Before heaven comes down, heaven already came down. Holy Spirit is in me, and I'm a force to be reckoned with right here, right now. Right here, right now. When people see your life now, what do they see? Do they see that God has really changed your life? Do they see a person that is changed and scandalized by Jesus? When people see you, do they see someone who is excited about God? When people see you, what message do you send them? Can people look at you and see God at all? I mean, I'm not trying to drill you right now, but I'm talking about like right here, right now, is God working through you in your life? Are people looking at you in your life, are they blown away of what God's doing in your life? Are they just completely scandalized? The fact that you believe in a God that you cannot see and he's actually operating in your life, he's actually speaking to you every week, he's actually the foundation of your life and you can't see him, you can't touch him, but man, you feel him when you pray to him and you experience him every day. People should be weirded out by your relationship with God. I should be worried if you don't have any enemies because I should question if you're really even the church. Jesus says before I leave, listen, you will be persecuted. People will hate you because they hated me. They killed me because I went against culture. I went against what the world said was okay. Man, if you're not experiencing any type of friction with the world, I can really question if you're operating as the real bride of Christ. Let's be real. Can we keep it a hundred? Are people hearing what God is doing in your life? Are people seeing when they see your life? Are you a testimony to what God is doing? Are you speaking to right here, right now? I'm not talking about the later you. A lot of us, we say later. Later I'll have a testimony. I need to go through more things in life for God. No, that's a lie from the enemy. The The best testimony of all is I was once dead and now I'm alive. I was once blind, but now I see. I couldn't hear, but now it's like I have clear sight and just hearing. I see God in a new and beautiful way, and he's the best thing that's ever happened to me, and he's everything that matters to me, and my life, my money, my time, my schedule will bow down to Jesus, and that should scandalize you. That should freak you out a little bit. Should weird people out, like what? You pray with your eyes closed, and sometimes y'all... Whisper words that you don't understand. Like, what? Yeah, we do. And it's amazing. And it's awesome. Yeah, we worship. And to you, it looks like a big karaoke session. But man, to my spirit, it fills my cup. It keeps me going. I feel completion when I worship God. I may look foolish to you, but the question is, do you even look foolish? Are you even sacrificing? When people see you, do they see that God's doing something? And Paul, he puts this so crazy. Paul's the dude we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. He's writing to the church of Corinth, Corinth, Corinthian church. First uh, Corinthians, you got your finger on it, right? Chapter 7, 1 Corinthians, the people of Corinth. Paul's writing a letter to them, right, in the situation they're in. The Corinthian church is known to be very sexual. So 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is Paul's letter to this sexual church. I mean, he's literally saying, you believe in God, but you're so worldly. You, you, you believe in God, but you're bowing down to other gods and you're doing weird stuff. So, man, if you ever have a question about what's wrong, what's right, read the book of 1 Corinthians. We've been diving in every week. So Paul says something so awesome, and we have it on the screens. He says this phrase that it drives me nuts. I love it. I love it. It really keeps me going as a leader. It keeps me going as someone who understands that I can't be the Messiah. 
I can't save people. I mean, that's only God's job, right? Like, God doesn't use me because of me, because of my talents. God uses me in spite of me because I'm a regular dude just like you. I'm regular. I'm a regular, right? So, so God does, he does awesome things through us. And then you get to a place in, in life where God's using you. And Paul says this statement. And, and here it goes. Throw it up. Follow me as I follow Christ. What an idea. And I ducked because some of you guys got to see it from your angle. Follow me as I follow Christ. In context, the people that are, that are in this church, they're starting to see Apollos and they're starting to see Paul. And, and there's a different leaders of the time, different, you know, speakers and writers and, and like founders of the church. People are really start, starting to elevate these people, starting to really give these people high praise. And there's nothing wrong with reverence and honor, right, and respect. But there's another level of just like worship to like the wrong God, right? Like you create people as like your God. No, that's weird. Stop worshiping your pastor. Worship your worship your God. You know what I'm saying? Stop worshiping your worship leaders. Worship your God. You know, you know? So, so you got that 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 side of it. And then you have Paul saying, "Follow me as I follow Christ." In other words, I, I can't I can't be everything for all people. I'm actually strong in some areas, but can I tell you? If Paul is here today with this microphone, he said, hey, I was weak in some areas too. Like, I was, I'm strong in a lot of areas. I'm, I'm really good at this. And, and I got some weaknesses. And here's the thing. My weaknesses is a testimony of God's grace in my life. Why? Because God is using me. Although I have weaknesses, although I have defects, although there's a thorn in my flesh, I can't get it out. I prayed God to remove it. I prayed him back. He didn't remove it. He said, I'm going to keep that in your, in your flesh, right? Some of you guys know that. And there's different things going on. And, and, and really what this creates within Paul, listen, it, it creates this, this idea that I'm not the end all be all for the people that are following me. I'm only a reflection of the sun that shines on me. So what Paul is saying is, listen, follow me, not because I'm pioneering this thing, but follow me because of who I'm following. Follow me because I'm following Jesus. And that idea will keep you going when you feel like you don't need to go anymore. Follow me as I follow Jesus. I'm not the end all be all. I can't be all things for all people. Man, follow me as I follow another man. Amen? Are you there in 1 Corinthians? Here's another idea I have. It's pretty long. It's pretty long. Here's another idea I have. In 1 Corinthians, Paul's speaking to a generation that looks a lot like today, a generation that has given themselves away to its own desires. I'll say it again. In 1 Corinthians, Paul's speaking to a generation that looks a lot like today, a generation that has given themselves away to its own desires. All right, so let's start reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It's a lot of verses. So if you don't have a Bible, you can read up with this, or you can look down. You guys there? If you have a cell phone, I want you to switch the translation to the MSG, the message translation. If you do not have a cell phone or an electronic Bible, um, just bear with us on your NIV or any other form of translation you have. Thank you. Welcome to church. <laughs> I should have been a flight attendant. This is your captain speaking. They should never give me a mic. All right, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm reading from the message version, so it'll be a little different than your version if you don't switch it. So, so here we go. Now getting down to the questions you asked. Okay, who is this? Paul. When is this? New Testament. After Jesus died. Okay, who is he talking to? The people of Corinth. The church of Corinth. The Corinthian church. Writing a letter. Looks a lot like 2018. Here we go. Again, this is talking about sex. This is handling a lot of stuff. Young adults, this is... This is for you tonight, all right? Now getting down to the questions you asked in your letter to me. First, is it a good thing to have sexual relations? Now listen to me, listen to me. I've got to say this. We're going to read a lot of verses. This is going to go to people who want to get married and to people who don't want to get married. This is the Bible talking to both people that choose to be single all their lives and choose to be married, right? Notice there is no in between. <laughs> We're going to... Okay. <laughs> Verse 2. Certainly. But only within a certain context, right? So he asked the question, is it good to have sexual relations? Verse 2, certainly. So if this is your question, first time at church, hey, is it okay for me to have sex? Paul will be here. Certainly. 
God created you with those parts. That's not an accident. He wants you to have fun. He wants you to test things out, right? But here's the thing. Look, look at it certainly, verse 2, but only within a certain context. It's good. Oh, my God. So verse 2, message version, if you don't have it, it's behind the screens with me too, so stay with us. You guys with us? It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual, sexual drives are strong, but marriage, watch this, sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. Woo! Some of y'all needed that. Some of y'all needed that. Pastor, my sexual drives are strong. God made you like that. Patol, <laughs> pero. You know what I'm saying? Patol. Keep my finger on the verse so I don't lose it. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them. Marriage is strong enough to contain those desires. Marriage kind of makes those desires, it tames them. It kind of guides them. We're not out of control. We're not bringing other people in the equation. It's, it's me and you. It's this, this covenant, this, this beautiful relationship, this depth, this commitment that we made for a lifetime, this comfort of, 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 of a marriage is strong enough for my sexual desires. And if you experience sex outside of marriage, you've probably experienced that desire outdoing a lot of other desires. And you try to keep up with it, and it's just going to always run you out. That's like having a 100-mile-an-hour train on 50-mile-an-hour tracks. The drive, the boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, I mean, the drive is strong. Stay strong. Stay, stay, stay connected to the church. Amen. Stay in prayer. Stay in faith. But, but can I tell you, Paul's hitting it on the nose. You guys with me? I'm going to keep going. This is crazy. The marriage must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife. The wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place of to stand up for your rights. No, marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. Abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time if you both agree to it. And if it's for the purposes of prayer and fasting, but only for such times. So Paul's saying, hey, if you don't want to have sex when you're married, you're weird, but that's cool. Um, do it, but I don't recommend it. I mean, if you're praying and fasting, if you're saying, God, we're going to fast sex as a couple, as America, we're going to say, we're, we're going to put our sexual drive on pause and put our drive for you on play. Oh, my God. God will bless that. God will honor that. But if you're just not having sex, what's wrong with you? This is your Bible. Why would you do that? Cool, but... Um, come back together again. I love this. Satan has an ingenious way of abstinence. Sorry. An ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. I'm not, understand, commanding that these periods of abstinence, only providing my best counsel if you should choose them. Sometimes, uh, verse 7, you guys with me? Sometimes I wish everyone was single like me. Tito. Paul's like, man, single life's the best life. No worries. I don't got to worry about paying for two people. You know what I'm saying? I ain't got to worry about Valentine's Day. Some of y'all in here, what you all talking about? I ain't got to worry about none of that. No judgment zone. And, and verse 7, yo, verse 7, Paul puts it clear. He's like, yo, sometimes... Sometimes I wish everyone were single like me, a simpler life in many ways. But he goes, but celibacy is not for everyone any more than marriage is. He's saying, I'm choosing the single life, meaning I'm choosing celibacy. And then he's saying, celibacy isn't for everyone, neither is marriage. Y'all here tonight? So God, it's okay. You, you can live a fulfilled life with a wife. And you can live a fulfilled life with a dog. It's fine. Like, just you and your pet, it's, 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 like, like, just because you don't have a wife, just because you don't have a husband doesn't mean God's not over you. 
if it's just you and, and if it's just all you, then God can still use you. And, and there's not less of an anointing to those who aren't married. That's kind of what's going on here. God gives the gift of the single life to some and the gift of the married life to others. Verse 8. Verse 8. Verse 8. This is for someone. We're going to keep going. I do, though, tell the unmarried and widows that singleness might well be the best thing for them as it has been for me. It worked for me. It may work for you. But if they can't manage their desires and emotions, they by all means go ahead and get married. The difficulties of marriage are preferable by far to a sexually tortured life as a single, right? So if you're single and you're sexually tortured, get married. I mean, like, let's do it, all right? Like, stop waiting. Like, sometimes you wait, but then, like, hey, I keep sipping up. Hey, put a ring on it. Like, you love him, you love him. Let's get this thing going. Let's go. Come on. Julia and Carla, I love you guys. Your, your, wedding, your wedding was here. They got married at the Hope Center. It was the most beautiful and creative wedding I've ever seen in my entire life. It was amazing, and I was honored to be there. Man, young adults just like you that said, hey, we're going to get married. They didn't have a house, God provided a house. They didn't have a car, God provided a car. They got amazing jobs. Two young adults, living testimonies. You guys are both doing groups, right? They're opening small groups tonight. Sign up for their group. If you're a young man in here with a girlfriend that loves Jesus, join Julio's group. You guys can cry together. If you're a female in church and you have a boyfriend in church, join Carlos' group. You guys can get mad together. <laughs> Benting. <laughs> I've been over their house. Their TV's huge. It's amazing. And Carla Cook's amazing. Man, I love you guys. I love you guys. Man, you see that? Like, hey, we just, this is, let's just get married. Let's do it. Verse 10. And if you are married, stay married. This is the master's command, not mine. If a wife should leave her husband, she must either remain single or else back and make things right with him. And as a husband has no right to get rid of his wife, so he's coming against divorce. Man, I don't kind of promote divorce. Man, if you make a choice, stick it out. Man, if you kind of jumping in, lean in with everything you got. And, 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 man, if it doesn't work out, and if it, whatever, I mean, find somebody else. But, man, really try to make it work. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your commitment level. Don't give up on your faith. Don't give up on God. Verse 12, for the rest of you who are in mixed marriages, Christian married to non-Christian, listen, we have no explicit command from the master. He's talking about Jesus. So for those of you who are Christian and your boyfriend isn't, for those of you who are Christian and your girlfriend isn't, Jesus never said anything towards you guys, all right? And I was one of them before in my life, uh, missionary dating, all right? So it's like loving God and, like, trying to get that love on with some other love, and it's, like, different, and it's weird, and, 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 and it's hard, and, 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 and man, and, and, and <laughs> this chapter is too good. And it's hard to missionary date and, and, it's, and, and just keep the faith. Keep the faith. And he, this, is, this is what he says to you. This is what he says to you. So for those, verse 12, Christian marriage to non-Christian, we don't have any direct commands from the master. But So this is what you must do. Ready? If you are a man with a wife who is not a believer but who still wants to live with you, hold on to her. If you're a woman with a husband who is not a believer but he wants to live with you, hold on to him. The unbelieving husband shares to an extent in the holiness of his wife. And the unbelieving wife is likewise touched by the holiness of her husband. Otherwise, your children will be left out. As it is, they are also included in the spiritual purposes of God. So if you know any marriages out there, any relationships out there, one's a believer, one's not, man, intercede and pray because the holiness of one will rub off on others. The light in one will begin to crack in others. Some of you guys have been praying for God to do something in your family and in your house. Man, what if the light shines so bright in you that it reached other people? Verse 15, on the other hand, if you are unbelieving, if the unbelieving spouse walks out, You've got to let him or ho her go. Ho go. Him or her go, him or ho go. That's what I said. I'll read that again. Here's, the sec here's my second chance. On the other hand, if the unbelieving spouse walks out, you've got to let him or her go. What does that mean? You don't chase people. 
Because if you chase them, you're not running to Jesus. If you chase them, you're running in the wrong direction. If someone's ever put you in a God or me situation, that answer is easy. I don't have to think about it. That's not a pop quiz. Man, let me take, give me three days to decide. No, I'll tell you right now, I'm not following you to hell, bro. Not today. I'm wise enough to see that not everything that's good is good for me. Not everything that's pretty is perfect. And that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. You've got to let him or her go. Because at the end of the day, you don't get into heaven because your spouse was Christian. It's a personal relationship with God. You've got to let him or her go. You don't have to hold on desperately. God has called us to make the best of it as peacefully as we can. So don't leave that, don't, don't leave that relationship hating that person. No, leave in peace and do it with wisdom. You never know, wife. The way you handle this might bring your husband not only back to you, but to God. So someone you thought was a lost cause, your way in handling walking away can actually lead them to walking back to you and back to God. This is for somebody. This is like right for you. Verse 17, we're almost done. And don't be wishing, oh God, don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are, somebody say right now. Somebody say right now. Somebody say right here. Right now. Oh my God, the faith in this place right now. Don't be wishing you were someplace else for 17 or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Where you are right now is right where God wants you to do something crazy. Where you're at right now is where God wants to do a miracle in your life. Not tomorrow, not next year, not when you get the job, not when the skies are blue, right here, right now. So what do we have to do? What do we have to do, right? What do we have to do? Pastor, that's great. What do I do tomorrow? Here's the next verse. Here's the next verse. Verse 17. I'm going to read it with you guys here. Don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else where you are right now. Somebody say right now. It's God's place for you. Here's the instruction. Live. Live. Right here, right now. Live. Next. Obey. Right here, right now. Obey. Love. Right here, right now. Not tomorrow, not next year, not when that thing. No, right now, love. And believe right there. Not when it happens, not when it's going to happen. Believe, love, obey, and live right here, right now. God, not your marital status, defines your life. My next idea is this. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Where you are right now is God's. He has pinned you in a corner. If you're a guest tonight, he has tra- God trapped you. He, he caught you. You got caught in his net of grace. I mean, he's telling you all night tonight, I love you. I love you. I love you. I told you there's a church that represents me. I told you I love you. We're here for you. We believe in you. There's so much ahead of you. Leave here with your head held up high because the God of the universe is for you and not against you. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to you. And I got to tell you, where you are right now is God's place for you. You don't catch God off guard. You don't catch him on an off day. He's on his tippy toes waiting for you. He's leaning into you right here, right now. Point number one, live right here. So I say live right here. I got to live right here. I got to have my best life right here, right now. I'm never going to be 22 again. I'm never going to be 25 again. I'm never going to be 30 again. I'm never going to be that age again. Let me live my best life right now. Let me give God my best right now. Man, I hope 
in this race of life, you guys cast like a second wind. Like just open your step tonight. Let it motivate you to keep loving people, to keep wanting to live right here. Don't let life stress you out, God. You're my everlasting peace. You're all, come on, a relationship with God needs to it just provoke that in you. I need to live right here. Isaiah 12, 2. Oh, my God. Surely God is my salvation. Who is your salvation? I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Man, the Christian life is really living because we've understood that if I were to live my life based off my own strength, if I were to fight all my battles without any help, man, I'll probably be burnt out. I'll probably be stressed out. I'll probably live life and I won't trust anybody. If I had to fight all my own fights, man, I'll probably grow sour. I'll probably, I'll probably won't be so welcoming to people. I probably won't be so, 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 just so happy all the time because I'm always on edge. I'm always trying to fight my battles. I'm always trying to come at people who come against me. That's not the spirit of Jesus. Jesus says, turn, turn the other cheek. Jesus says, listen, they hurt you. It's okay. Pray for them. Come on, pray for your enemies. Bless your enemies. Live right here. Don't let unforgiveness tie you down. Don't let people hold on to you. When you think they've, they're holding on to you, you don't forgive them, you're holding on to them. You're walking forward trying to move in God's purpose, and you're holding on to all of your mistakes. You're holding on to all of your embarrassment and your sin, and you're questioning your future because of your past. When the Bible says things like, listen, when you come to Jesus, you're wiped clean, white as snow. He forgets your wrongdoings. He wipes away your sins. And he sees your sons and daughters. He is my strength and my defense. You see people living life, if they don't have Jesus as their strength and their defense, are they really living? Because, man, I wake up every day. If I was living on my own strength, I'd go right back to sleep. Thirty minutes later, back to sleep. Snooze, 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 snooze. I, I don't know how I make it to church on Sundays at seven a.m. I don't know how I do it. I'm venting. Man, it's it's the strength of God. It's the strength. It's the help. It's the ever-present help of God pushing, waking you up in the morning, getting you excited about things, getting you riled up. The way sports gets you riled up, the way 2K gets you riled up, the way that new shirt gets you. God wants to get you riled up about things that he wants to do in your life. He wants to get you hyped. He wants to get you excited. You know when you make a basket at the basketball court and you flex and come on, you get hyped? God's like, come on, you got to give me that. You got to give me that. I'm your strength. I'm your defense. I'm your salvation. You got to give it to me. Somebody say, he, he wants it. You got people going crazy for soccer. I mean, like, I've seen the venues, and I've seen FIFA, and it's beautiful. But, man, no one's leaving that arena better. It's a celebrating man. The, the man can't change me. Man can't just deliver me. Man can't send me to heaven, but it's one man named Jesus. Come on, I was just at the, I was just at the Jay Z Beyonce concert. I was on the floor because I was celebrating four years with my girlfriend, and it was awesome. Literally, I had an idea sitting sitting on the floor, see the whole stadium. I don't know how many 16, 15,000 people there for Jay Z and Beyonce. And I didn't tell this to anyone. You're the first person hearing this, by the way. It's not my notes. But I was in that venue, and I was there, and it was crazy, and it was awesome. And I was like, oh, my God, you look way cooler in person, right? There came a moment, I'm taking a video, and I go like this, and I'm like, oh, my God, there's thousands of people behind me. I mean, like, the stadium was packed. And something hit me. What if all these people were worshiping Jesus? It literally slapped me in the face. I think I told Diana on the way home, I was like, Yo, what if that venue was full of people worshiping God? I got a call last week from one of my homies. He's a youth pastor. How many of you guys remember Pastor Gabe? Pastor Gabe just got connected with an organization called The Send. They're organizing a gathering in February where they want to gather 15 
to 30,000 young people in the same venue that I was at in that concert. They approached Pastor Gabe. Pastor Gabe called me. Pastor Gabe sent me up with a meeting. I talked to a girl. The same venue. They went to gather middle school, high school, young adults to worship God. And I told her, I was just at that venue. I was getting goosebumps. I'm getting them now. So I was just at that venue, and I was having fun. And I thought to myself, what if we filled this place with people worshiping Jesus? And for a moment, and two believers, two different lives, two different cities, two dreams crossed each other. And we're partnering with them. We're going to be gathering. We're going to be doing strategizing. It's going to be crazy for next February. But man, like, isn't that just God doing something incredible? Isn't that God saying like, yo, there's so much more I have. Like, your dreams are too small. You need to live right here, right now. Not tomorrow, not next month. Live now. Strength in my defense. You cannot disguise your life in a way where everything is good if it's all revolved around you. You cannot disguise your life in a way that everything is good when it's all revolved around you. People are not perfect, so guess what? Your life is not perfect. And if you're living life of your own strength and defense, you gave yourself away already. The best thing that happened to me has nothing to do with me. The best thing that happened to me is Jesus, and Jesus has nothing to do with me. I didn't do anything for my salvation. My salvation was given to me by God. I said a prayer, and I just confessed and believed. How can I not give my life to someone who gave theirs for me? Live right here. Here's the second one. Obey right here. Somebody say obey. Pastor Dwight preaches this Sunday. I want to reiterate it. Obedience starts with thinking. Obedience starts with thinking. Obedience starts with thinking. Some of you guys haven't believed in, you haven't been surrendering to God. A lot of belief, not a lot of surrendering, right? A lot of belief, not a lot of obedience, right? And and we got to make that jump between I don't just believe in God and like know him, but I understand him and experience him. And I want to get to a place where I obey him and surrender to him. There's a difference, right? And and if you want to make that jump between just believing into actually obeying That jump is a jump of, watch this, that jump is a jump of thinking from believing, you guys are with me, to surrendering, from believing to obedience, that jump happens up here. How you think will determine how you act. Some of you guys want to obey God? You haven't started thinking about obeying him. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. This is the Bible. Verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And watch this. This is what we also do. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What does that mean? He's giving you a real life situation. I have some good thoughts. They're all about God and all about love and all about ministry and all about good stuff. But I got some bad thoughts, too. I got some nasty thoughts. I got thoughts that if I said, I'll probably lose some friends. And I can't be this Christian person because I have those thoughts. This is what Paul says. He says, listen, having these thoughts doesn't mean that you're like demon-possessed. I have those thoughts, too. I get tempted, too. But here's what I do. I take these thoughts captive, and I make them obedient to Jesus. I take those wild thoughts of quitting, and I turn them around. And I say, you're not where you want to be, but boy, you're not where you used to be. You need to turn around and move. And I started being obedient when I started thinking obedient. When I started thinking right. Taking captive of my thoughts. Taking captive of my thoughts. Some of you guys, your mind's wilding out right now. You're going crazy. You're at, like, what are we eating? Medici's. I heard, like, the loop. Chipotle opens, like, closes at 11. Like, that's crazy. We're going to go after. Like, you think about your bowl. You think about your car. Man, take those thoughts. Take them captive. Man, God is good. Man, God is for you. Man, God is love you. Man, you're supposed to live right here, right now. 
Take those thoughts captive. You got to capture them. If you're having a problem with obedience, you have a problem with thinking. Let's start thinking different. Thinking different. Here's a bad question. What should I do? Here's a good question. What's, how should I think? How should I think? If you think right, you'll do right. If you do right, you'll build a habit. If you could build a habit, you could build a rhythm. If you could build a rhythm, that becomes a way of life. So my way of life started with the right thinking. I'm living my best life because I thought about my best life. I'm living in this awesome area because I perceived and I interceded and I thought and all I did was make all my captive thoughts, crazy ones, the regular ones, the good ones, and I'm funneling them through this idea of obedience to Jesus. Live right now, right here, right now. Obey right here, right now. Here's number three. Love right here. Right here. Love. Love. Groups are full of hope because they're full of love. Wherever there's love, there's hope. Because God is love. And man, if God is in a situation, how many of you guys know there's hope? If God is still if God is still alive, if God is still on his throne, come on, there's hope in any situation. No cause is written off, no person is executing. No, no, no. Everyone, we all have a living chance of making it, of moving forward, of moving into the best God has for us because he's still on the throne. And, 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 and love always happens because God is always happening. Oh, my God. Theologically, that's amazing. Oh, my God. If you just really caught that. Love never stops because God never stops. Love never stops moving because God never stops moving. Love is fresh because God is fresh. Wake up in the morning. I need a little bit more love, Lord. Oh, I need a little bit more grace. If you just wash your grace and God's like, here you go. Thank you for asking. You receive not because you ask not. Book of Matthew, knock and the doors open. You're asking for open doors, but you're not even knocking. Love right here, right now. 1 John 3.18, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Talk is cheap. The Bible is saying right here, he said, talk is cheap. You don't only love by your words, but you love with your actions and in truth. What if Jesus just yelled at the earth, I love you. Woo! Love you. Come on up here. All who want me. No, 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 no. That's not love. Love is I'm going to take off my robe. I'm going to take off my crown. I'm going to leave heaven. I'm going to leave the holy of holies. I'm going to leave a place where there is no tear, a place where there is no famine, a place where there is no sickness. I'm leaving the highest of highs, like the, the, the heavenly, like I'm in, I'm, G, I'm in like the ultimate throne this world's ever seen. Like Thanos ain't got nothing on me. And I'm up here and I am defined by love. When God says, I am love. He means literally define me by love. I love you, right? And love, as its definition, isn't all talk. But Jesus said, I'm not going to yell at the world. I'm going to go to the world. I'm going to step into flesh. I'm not going to show up as a man. I'm humble. I'm going to show up as a baby. I'm going to go through life just like you went through life. I'm going to grow up through my teenage years just how you went through your teenage years. So when you're tempted, I can look at you and say, I was tempted too. So that when you're bored, God can look at you and say, I was bored too. And when you feel like giving up, Jesus will look at you and say, on the cross, I felt like giving up. On the cross, I felt like taking those nails off of me and killing everybody for hating the God that made them. But no, I love you. And in that cross, I decided to give of myself for you. That is love. Love is not just a conversation. It's action. It's movement. And humanity saw the greatest example of love in human history through the sacrifice of a man that didn't even deserve it. He was whipped. He was beaten. They gave him a crown of thorns. They spit on him. And in a moment, he could have, like, magnetoed them. You guys watch X-Men? Magneto, he barely moves and things are just flying, right? Like, 
Jesus could have just like snap and then they all disappeared or something cool. I don't know. Imagine like playing hide and seek with Jesus as a kid. Go. Sarah, you're under the you're under the you're under the cabinet. I see you. Oh dang Jesus. Got me again. Love right here. Here's my last one. Believe right here. Somebody say believe. Do not run out on your belief in God. Do not run out on your belief in his word. Do not run out on your belief that he's doing something in you right here, right now. You are refined in the presence of God. You are molded in the presence of God. Almost like you go into church and you go under anesthesia. And God just starts working on you. And God just starts taking out bitterness. Starts giving you some joy. Starts taking out all these bad feelings. Starts giving you some peace. Starts taking out these addictions and, and those things that you're not proud of. He starts giving you talents and, and giving you new desires. And, and, and that's what God does. He, you get into the presence of God. He starts to refine you. He starts to mold you. He starts to change your way of thinking. Some of you guys started thinking crazy, and you came into church, and God just started whipping you up into shape, right? God just started whipping you up into shape, and now you don't really curse as much as you used to. It slips out a couple times. I've talked to some of y'all after service, and y'all think that I'm intimidated that you curse. Listen, I'm not intimidated. I love you, but let's stop cursing. Let's move. I love you. I don't judge you. I won't curse back at you, but I love you. Believe right here that God is still working on you. Believe right here, right now with your cursing self. God has such something big for you. God has something to make. God could use you right here, right now with your cursing self, with yourself not all together. God can use you to change somebody's life. <laughs> Believe right here, right now. Right here, right now. God wants to give your life so much meaning. God wants to give your life so much color. God wants to give your life so much joy, so much peace. God wants to give you so much strength that you would run and not grow weary. God wants to give you so much abundance. God wants you to be happy. But listen, you got to let him use you. You got to let him mold you. Oh, man, let this mess some of y'all up. You got to let him break you. You ever got broken by God before? Can I walk you through that process? And I'm going to try not to cry because I can break every freaking week, right? I'm trying to worship God. I'm trying to act like this beautiful, put-together Christian. And then I'm reminded how such a bad person I am. Like, I don't deserve this love. I don't deserve this grace. This service should happen with no presence, and that would easily be justifiable. But the fact that a perfect God steps into the room every single week, I break, I break, I break. Why? Because I'm not worthy of God's presence. I'm not worthy of his love and his grace. So when we're worshiping and I'm playing the drums, I'm crying inside. I'm going nuts, and I'm breaking. Why? Because I don't deserve this, man. I should be broken. I should be addicted. I should be dead. How many of you guys got saved your life? Literally saved your life. Literally took you out. Man, you got to come here and you got to be just a little broken. You got to be a little broken and say, God, I give you everything that I have. I give you my worship. I give you my word. I give you my speech. I'm broken. I'm broken. Your grace wrecks me. Your grace wrecks me because I'm not perfect. But you love me like I'm perfect. You love me like I've never messed up. You keep coming after me and coming after me and coming after me. Believe right here, right now, God's working on you. Every Tuesday, you should leave better than how you came in. Because God wants to wreck you, man. God wants to wreck you for other people to see that you've been wrecked. I hope tonight you're so impacted. People see your restaurants and say, why are you so freaking happy? What's wrong with you? You can say, I love Jesus. That's what's wrong with me. Now come and be wrong with me. Let's be wrong together. There was a massacre that happened in South Carolina. Somebody walked into an elementary school, terrible, killed children, and then killed himself. One of the families of the kids that died were Christians. 
people of faith, believed in Jesus. You know what the families did, the victims, the families of the kids that died? Some of them were believers. They helped finance the killer's funeral. They helped the family. They sent them flowers. They sent them messages. They were loving on them. And the world took a step back and said, what is going on in a little church in South Carolina? Because you have every right, family. You have every right to hate that man. You have every right. You can hate that man for the rest of your life, and we all think it's okay. So the world says, you can hate the guy that killed your son. Oh, man, you can hate him and his family. You have the right to hurt him. You have the right to pray God to kill him and his family. Oh, my God. You have the right to do that stuff. But then they hear stuff like that, that God's actually using people to show grace. And a moment that would actually break the world should step back and say, what is going on in your life? It doesn't make sense that some of them forgive their enemies. It doesn't make sense that I'll help the people who killed my children. It doesn't make sense because Jesus doesn't make sense. He says, love your enemies. Oh, love people that hurt you. Oh, love everybody because that's how I treat everybody. I love everybody. I love everybody. I don't write people off. They did you bad, they're still righteous in my sight. I still love them. I still love them. If you get into an argument with anyone in the church and you kick them out of the church, that's not God's will. Work it out in the church, says the New Testament. Talk like mature believers. Get together in the community with an elder and speak about the conflict. Bring it to a place of peace. Let God love through you. Let him love through you to affect the world around you. People are looking at that, that family like, why did he do that? Why would you do that? And I can imagine that family's answer. My son is waiting for me. And while I'm waiting, I'm not waiting. God wants to do something through me. The only person in this world that this guy and this family thinks that shouldn't love them, loves them. That is the love of the Father.